Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. All right, so here in this passage here, we have uh, the creation story. It's actually in the first of the two creation stories that we have in Genesis chapter 1 and the second in Genesis chapter 2. This one comes from Genesis chapter 1. And you have the people of God processing their story. Who are they? Where do they come from? Why do they exist? And in this story, they begin to see some of the answers to that. One, they begin to see that their existence is not an accident. They are here because God intended them to be here, that God created them. Second, they're told that not only are they not an accident, but they are created in the image of God. They are created as a reflection of the goodness and the glory and the magnificence of God. Right? That's what we talk about in the mantra that you see illustrated in the upper right over here. Our mantra, everyone an icon, that each and every one of us as human beings is created as a reflection of the goodness of God. It's not an accident. Everyone's creating an image of God. And the third thing they're realizing is their caretaking role with the rest of creation. But immediately after the story that which humanity comes into existence, the first thing that happens then is it says that God blessed them. God spoke his goodness over them and spoke his goodness into them. Right from the beginning, you have this newly created world, this world where everything was just right. Everything was just as God would have it to be. There wasn't any problems in this story, this picture of the world at this point. It's freshly made. It's freshly done, right? And into this freshly made, already great world, God speaks his blessing of his goodness over all of humanity right from the beginning. And from this, we get this ideal starting point, right? That everything is good, and everything is wonderful, and everything is filled with the blessing of God. And that's part of the narrative that we see throughout the story of Scripture, right? If you look at Scripture as a whole, you start with this picture of everything all put together. Everything is God would have it to be. Nothing going wrong anywhere. Everything fully blessed by God. And then at some point in time, everything falls apart, right? Which is the world in which we find ourselves now is a world where things are not working according to the way God would have them to be. A world where things are broken and there is hurt and there is pain and there is suffering and all sorts of things going on. But then the story is that uh, God is working towards the return of putting things back together to once again having the world be as he would have it to be, which we know as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven or heaven, right? That's the story. Going from goodness and perfection to, to realizing things are not there to working back towards that goal. The story of scripture is seeking the blessing of God for the world again so that the world is whole and healthy as God intends it to be. But that end goal starts with the understanding of this statement that our world right now is not what it could or should be. 
And that's probably the least controversial thing I've ever said, right? Does anybody want to argue with that? That our world today, as you look around and see it, is not what it could be or not what it should be. I just want us to focus in. If we're going to get where we need to go, we need to start with this understanding kind of rooted in us, in our hearts and in our minds this morning. And I want to spend some time just in some corporate lament together. And so we're going to open the floor to some sharing, just of that understanding of the world not as it should be. And here's the question. Where do you mourn the brokenness you see in your neighborhood, your city, or your world? Where do you mourn the brokenness of your neighborhood, city, or world? I want to put some disclaimers here. Let's keep these answers to like 10 seconds or so so we can get a bunch of them. Also, I, let's not make it personal. Uh, I don't want to hear about your brother or sister and the things that they've stepped into recently. Let's kind of keep this general to protect people's privacy. And third, let's not assume uh, that we know motivations for why things are going wrong or we know all the solutions. Especially, we don't need to be throwing out all of our political ideas in the middle of this time. Right now, we're just talking about how we see the world. What brokenness do we see in our neighborhood our city, and the world around us. Anybody want to be brave and get us started? What do you see? Where do you mourn the brokenness in your neighborhood, city, or world? Yes. Yeah, we have neighbors in our city that are finding themselves sleeping on the streets. Yes. Anybody else? Just as I walked into church this morning, one of my friends said to me that they didn't sleep very well last night because of gunfire in the neighborhood. That's, that's tragic. Yeah. Yeah. But gunfire and violence in our neighborhoods. So a breakdown of community among neighbors. Yeah. Anybody else? What's on your heart? What makes you sad or angry in the world? Lack of mental health services and let's say that we as humanity struggle with mental health, and that is a common thing that happens to many of us, right? In an ideal world, we have healing and wholeness, let alone having to find providers in a, in a desert at times, yeah. If we're all creating the image of God, why is there so much racial tension? Yeah. Okay, the racial tension and racial injustices that exist in our world. Thank you. Anybody else? Broken yeah, brokenness in our families. Yeah, pain, torn relationships, built-up history. Anybody else? Yeah. 
Yes. Abuse of the vulnerable, whether it's children or geriatrics. Yes. Thank you. We have so many of these things. I actually, and the friend that John was talking about, it was my block last night, as we were trying to fall asleep, and starts with uh, hearing the arguing begin, uh, and we always try and watch out when that happens just for the safety of our neighbors, and then and there was a gunfire and seeing that right outside, and then the aftermath of talking to neighbors about it and just feeling the pain and feeling the fear that exists throughout everybody who is affected by it. And it's too common of a story. And so we have these things, whether it's these things citywide or worldwide that we see, or whether it's these things in our city or just the things in our own families and in our own lives, we see the ways that the world is not as it is. And, and our response then is like, where is God? If the whole story of Scripture is that God is supposed to be doing something about this, where is God? Why are these things still going on? Why do we still have violence going on in our city? Why do we still have neighbors who are finding themselves sleeping on the streets? Why do we have children around the world dying from lack of clean water? Where is God in the midst of this? Or in those things that we went through in our own personal life, where was God in the middle of those things? If this is the story, then when are the solutions coming? Why does it seem sometimes like God's not doing anything, He's not intervening, or why was God not there when we needed Him? These are the questions. And I find that we often wonder about God's direct intervention. When is He going to do something? But is the problem that maybe we're looking for the wrong kind of solution? Maybe we're looking for the wrong kind of solution as we're looking for God's intervention. I mean, we have to ask the question, when we say, God, our, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, when we're saying, God, we want this earth to look like heaven, we want your kingdom to come here, down here on this earth, what are we even asking for, and are we looking in the right places for this to happen? Well, this is the story I want us to look at today, and we're going to look at starting through the story in Genesis chapter 12, which is known as the call of Abraham. Now, Abraham was a guy that God came to and visited and walked with, and God talked to Abraham and decided that he would walk alongside Abraham. If Abraham would follow God, God would walk with him, and then God would make Abraham the father of a great nation. Right? And so Abraham became the father of the people of Israel, the Hebrew nation of Israel, which is different than the modern nation state of Israel. So Abram became the father of the Hebrew uh, nation of Israel, and they became known as God's people, and their eyes and their lens and their story is the, the lens through which we see the rest of the story of Scripture. But right here is right in the beginning when God is having these initial conversations with Abraham or Abram, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So God comes to Abraham and says, I will bless you. And then he goes on and says, and all the people of the earth will be blessed 
through you, all the people of the earth will be blessed. All of humanity will be blessed. When was the last time that all we saw a blessing upon all of humanity? It was in that story 11 chapters earlier when God spoke the blessing over all of humanity upon the creation of humanity. So what is God talking about here with Abraham? God is talking about this Genesis 1 language. He's talking about the putting the world back together. Right? There's this understanding that the world was as it should be and it's not anymore and the world is going to be put back together and God is saying, here's how that's going to happen. I am going to bless you and through you the rest of the world will be blessed. Through you and the work I'm doing in you, the rest of the world will start to find its healing and restoration. So what's the plan? One, God calls people to walk with God. Two, God blesses them and works within them towards personal wholeness. And then three, through them, the rest of the world gets put back together. That's the plan that we see from God from the beginning. God's plan for putting the world back together involves his people taking action for the blessing and benefit of others. God's plan is his people taking action for the blessing and the benefit of others. I want to pause for a second. Because let's go back to somehow, sometimes how we see this. Sometimes our perspective is that we're waiting for some supernatural intervention from God into the problems of our world, right? We're waiting for fire from heaven or something to go down, come down and fix everything, right? That God is going to intervene and boom, fire is going to come down and my neighborhood won't have any problems anymore and my block will be safe and maybe it catches my... Well, not mine, but maybe it catches your boss on fire, right? Like, I didn't realize how that sounded. I said that Thursday and did not. Sorry, Jason. <laughs> right? Uh, that God will just kind of intervene from heaven and take care of all of the problems that we have. Sometimes that is kind of what we're waiting for. But the story we're given is people being blessed through other people. And as you look through scripture, rare is the story in scripture of God's direct intervention aside from moving someone into action. Like go through scripture and count how many times God kind of descends from heaven in fire and takes care of it by himself versus the amount of times that God moves somebody into action towards the goodness and the solution that God desires. It's through people. Too often we find ourselves sitting around waiting for God to act when that responsibility has already been handed to us. Jesus tells us this story of the kingdom of heaven in one of his stories in Matthew chapter 25. As Jesus tells these stories, he's telling us the stories of what the kingdom of heaven is like so that we understand it better. This story starts here. Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, now first of all, Anybody who hears that phrase, when the Son of Man comes in glory, that was kind of like the trigger of like, in the moment in which God is going to make everything right once and for all, right? That's the like, the trigger for like, okay, we've made it to the end of the story and everything is going to be fixed, right? So when that happens, when everything is made right once and for all, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as shepherd separates the, separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to the, those on his right, 
Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Each of these is a mark of the world, not as it should be, and an action taken by the people of God to make it more as God would have it to be, to bring God's blessing into the world. He goes on, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. There's a lot going on in that story. There's a lot of things we could unpack over time, a lot of imagery that Jesus uses in that story that could have all sorts of meanings. But I think if we just step back and say at its very core, it's very clear that if we truly believe the story of God is putting this broken world back together, there is some responsibility on us to act. That's kind of the obvious point coming out of that story. So friends, we need to see that it's time to stop waiting on God and realize that God is already acting by moving us into action. There's this legendary story of this preacher. I don't know if it's true or not. Typically, these preacher stories typically aren't. They're exaggerated in some way. But the guy's still alive, so maybe he could have corrected if it's not true. So I'm going to say maybe it is true. Uh, but the story of this preacher who was going around, uh, you might recognize his name, so I won't share it, uh, and was at this large conference with thousands of people. And as he's stepping forward to, to give the sermon at the conference, uh, the MC is, you know, handing off, and the MC says, hey, we have this missions need that we just became aware of. There's this tragedy that happened in, the, in this area that we're partnering with, and it's going to be a couple thousand dollars to be able to take care of meeting the need that's there. Would you lead us before you speak? Would you lead us in prayer for our friends in this other nation? And the preacher responded, it would be inappropriate for me to ask God to do what he has already done. The resources are here in this room right now. Let's just take care of this right now. And they ended up passing the collection and raised more than the amount that they needed to take care of the solution. That's an interesting story. I don't, again, I don't know if it's true or not, but it rings true. Right? Because so many times we're praying to God and asking to God to intervene in things when he's already asking us to do it, and sometimes there's just an unwillingness in us to do the things that he's already done, to act according to the resources he's already provided towards 
bringing his blessing into our cities and our neighborhoods and our world. I think of our city right here. Again, we've mentioned it a couple times. We have neighbors sleeping on the streets of our city. One person sleeping on the streets because they don't have a place is a crisis to me. We have a homelessness crisis in that way and that we have anybody doing that. Well, one of the issues is that we actually have some ideas of how to move forward with this. In fact, the city administration has already put forward funding for a gateway center. Uh, so we have the funding there that would allow people to get off the streets sooner and be able to find their way into shelter. The funding, the resources are already available. We also have funding that is available through an organization in town to be able to do low barrier entry to provide apartments for people to live in to be able to get them off of the streets right away. So the resources are already there, but you know what the problem is? Is the two times so far that we found neighborhoods that would be good fits for these places to go, the people of the neighborhoods have risen up and said, not in our neighborhood, please. The resources are there. We're ask, we can sit around in our churches and we can pray for God to do something. We can ask for God's intervention. But at some point in time, we the people have to realize that God is moving and providing through us, and we need to do something. So where is God in these problems? God is in the movement or not of his people. Where is God when our children don't have healthy support systems? Where is God? He's right here and in churches like this around the world. Where is God when children are dying due to lack of clean drinking water around the world? God is right here. Where is God when our neighbors are dying from gun violence or finding themselves sleeping on the streets? God is right here. And the church throughout the centuries, when it's been at, his best, at its, her best, has known this. Right? The church through the centuries at her best has started schools and hospitals and orphanages and cared for those who are hurt and who are marginalized and oppressed. And I think about South Bend City Church, too. I think uh, my friend sitting here Thursday night, Jake Kramer, who has been a law student at Notre Dame, who just graduated uh, to move on to the next phase of life. And during his time here, Jake was working with an amazing woman in town named Judy Fox with the Notre Dame Center for Economic Justice. And Jake and Judy, as lawyers, were representing oppressed people who are oppressed by predatory landlords in our city who are taking advantage of the people just trying to survive and pay rent and live in the houses. And they were going after and taking the legal pursuit to these predatory landlords to make sure that they weren't able to do this. This is God's blessing breaking through into our city. I think of my neighbor across the street, James Rice, who in the midst of the violence our block faces occasionally, James will walk out onto his patio whenever things start to get hot. He will walk out and he will stand there, not to be a curious gossip, but to stand there so that whoever is going through whatever knows that there is somebody who is standing there with them and they are not alone in the midst of that. God moves not in fire from above, but in lawyers and nurses and teachers and coaches and neighbors who sit on their porch instead of hiding in their house. 
It's not just about the city or our nation, too. This happens just in our own individual lives as we try to make it through life and go through life. I think of my daughter, my youngest, uh, who is five, and she's adopted. She came through the foster care system in South Bend. And I think about her life and the challenges she faced just having the early trauma that she had in her life and knowing how that affects the children and their brains and their development growing up, just the understanding of her world as a child who's been adopted and how that will stay with her and affect her in different ways. And I just feel so ill-equipped as a parent to know where wholeness and healing and health is going to come for her throughout her life as she moves into adulthood. Where is God's wholeness going to come for her with all that she's experienced and I also think about her role as a kid experiencing this third culture between worlds reality as a black girl being raised by white parents. And I just wonder how I can see her be healthy and full of pride and confidence moving forward. And then I come to church and you guys bring the blessing of God into our life. Every time one of my black brothers or sisters in this church sees my daughter and calls out and recognizes her black girl magic, the goodness of God is breaking through. And every time, every time somebody recognizes her beautiful curls and the time that she as a five-year-old has had to spend to make sure that she has healthy hair, even though she sees her family all has straight hair around her and doesn't know what to do with that, when you recognize that, you see her and you bring God's goodness breaking through into her life. And anytime she shares her experience of being adopted and there is another person in this church, which has happened time and time again, whether as a child or adult, who says, me too, she experiences God's goodness and the normalcy and the seenness of those moments and God's blessing is breaking through. We do it in the lives of each other as we step forward and we are there for each other. God moves through the movement of his people. And so we have these questions for reflection as we move forward to close today. First, where has God's goodness come from in your life? Where has your experience come from of God's goodness? If not from fire from above, then from where? Second, where might God be asking you to work for the goodness in your neighborhood, or your city, or the world. Finally, we still have this question of where was God? Maybe you've been through something especially painful in your life where you really could have used God being there for you and you felt like God's presence and God's goodness was absent. Where was God in your painful past? Well, we see in the story of Matthew 25 that at the very least, there's some accountability for the fact that at some point in time, people are called by God to do something and choose not to do so. Sometimes we are let down by others. That as God is moving towards our love and our wholeness and protection, sometimes there's this painful, sober reality that people let us down. And sometimes we're those people, and I think every parent can relate to that. So the third question for us to consider is, where have you been let down by others and maybe need some healing as you process that? The team's going to lead us in some reflection here, and the song that you're going to sing called Vapor is about seeing God in the physical outworkings of all of creation. Let us see what he has for us this morning.
I'm gonna lead us in this prayer. When we get to the parts in bold, I ask that you join me. Great God, thank you for the constant call we hear from you every day. The wind whispering around our ears, the birds singing to us from the trees, rain pinging on the window, the good earth inviting our steps. We hear that call again and again through kind hands and warm hearts around us. Open our ears to your call, which is as expansive as the world and as particular as a poor man walking a dusty road to a cross on Calvary. Like him, help us to love, not just in word, but in deed. Love for our neighbors who are hard to love. Love for newcomers in our communities. Love for people who are cast out by others. Forgive us for the times we have failed to share your love, choosing to hoard what is freely given, fearful that we have limited resources, limited time, we're too tired. Thank you that even then, your consoling voice calls us. Help us to respond with cheerful hearts as we do your work. Strengthen those among us who face heavy burdens, who live with pain, physical, emotional, spiritual. Holy Spirit, bind us together as a community to sing your chorus of love faithfully, heartily. Multiply your call in us and through us. Amen. Thanks for letting me share my heart with you guys this morning. Uh, you may be walking away from this now saying like, okay, but I have no clue to begin with anything. And the thing I would encourage you to do is just to jump in doing something, right? Sometimes just jumping in is how you learn about where the needs really are. In our neighborhood alone here, we have uh, Hope Ministry and the Center for Homeless. You can hit up their websites and hit volunteering links. And just in the opportunity to interact and build relationships with our neighbors, you can learn a lot about what they're going through and where the gaps are in the system for them. So then you can find out the things that are stirring in your heart or things God is moving you to do, or whether it's interacting with children through the Croc Center or through Transformation Ministries, uh, you can let, let me know and I can point you in the direction of volunteering opportunities in any of those areas. Also, you can volunteer here through South Bend City Church at southbendcitychurch.com slash volunteer. But it's in the jumping in and in the relationships that we form that we begin to see the stories of others. We begin to see where the gaps exist and where the action needs to be taken. So I encourage you, wherever you're at, Simply jump in, just take the next step. Love you guys so much. Grace 
and peace be with you. Have a great day.